Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Unabridged. This is Jen. We are really excited today to be sharing a podcast episode from some of our friends over at the Island Library podcast. Joe and Laura are just doing some great things. They have amazing discussions about books that we also enjoy and some that we haven't tried yet. So normally what they do is each of them brings a book to the podcast and then they talk about it and they decide if they would take that book to a deserted island, if it would be on their island library. For this week, though, the episode that we're sharing, they do a special thing and they both talk about the same book. So this is Justin A. Reynolds's Early Departures, and they have just a fantastic discussion of this book. It is spoiler-free, mostly. There are a couple little details in there, but they're very careful not to share tons of spoilers, and I think you're really going to enjoy this discussion. Hello, and welcome to the Island Library Podcast. Welcome to episode 20. I'm Jo from Pages of the Moon. And I'm Laura from Laura Liz Buckley. Today is a very exciting day. If you're a big fan of the Island Library Podcast, you will know that we usually discuss a book each. And on today's episode, because it is the fifth episode, we discuss the same book. And this week we've had the absolute pleasure to read Early Departures by Justin A. Reynolds who also wrote Opposite of Always, which I covered on a previous episode. So I'm extra excited to dig into this. The setup for this is slightly different compared to our normal episodes. You do have the greatest thing in the background, which is Cheddar, the Corgi, shaking his thing. I do apologise. There is nowhere for me to shove him, guys, and I'm sure no one wants me to throw him outside. It is winter now. (laughs) So the setup for this is me and Laura both pitch the same book after I've read the synopsis, and then we just go into a full debrief of the book. We do try and keep it spoiler-free. Joe is a little bit of a reckless cannon on that front. But (laughs) all in all, it's just a full debrief of the book, and then at the end, we discuss Joe's random question of the week, which is obviously what you're all here for. Happy days. That's why I'm here. Yes. That's why we're all here. (laughs) The the books is just a fun cover for the whole episode. So to kick things off, I'm going to read the synopsis of Early Departures just to cover all basis because it has thrown me. Me and Laura, we both have a copy of this book as Early Departures, but just to save anyone else any confusion. It has also been called Forever Ends on Friday on Waterstones in the UK, but they all is the same book. It's the exact same cover and we've just triple checked it. But just so that if you really do fancy buying this book, you can still be able to find it. So anyway, <laughs> early departures. What if you could bring your best friend back to life, but only for a short time? Jamal's best friend Q doesn't know that he died and that he's about to die again. He doesn't know that Jamal tried to save him and that the reason they haven't been friends for two years is because Jamal blames Q for the accident that killed his parents. But what if Jamal could have a second chance? A new technology allows Q to be reanimated for a few weeks before he dies permanently. 
and Q's mum is not about to let anyone ruin this miracle by telling Q about his impending death. So can Jamal fix everything if he can't tell Q the truth? Early departures weaves together lost grief, friendship and love to form a wholly unique homage to the bonds that bring people together for life and beyond. Oh, it is very ah. Obviously, now we go into pitching the book. Okay, so my pitch, which actually I think has quite a lot in common with the synopsis. But anyway, Jamal and Quincy used to be best friends until a series of tragedies drove them apart. When Q dies, it seems Jamal will also have to mourn the fact that they weren't able to reconcile. Until, that is, a mysterious new medical procedure offers a last chance. Q can be brought back to life for as long as a month, after which he will die again. Further complicating things, Q's mum doesn't want anybody to tell Q what's going on, leaving Jamal feeling like he's lying as he tries to rekindle their friendship. Oh, okay. I'm just really excited to get into this book, if I'm completely honest. But um, I'm also just going off a little bit of a whim on this one, because, again, I, I, th- I think the synopsis really covers quite a lot. I think it does. Q is Jamal's best friend, or was. After an accident and another death, the two of them are not on speaking terms. That is, until they go to a party. Then everything changes forever. When new technology allows Q to be reanimated and Jamal to fix the things that he should have said long ago, the only thing that's standing in his way is the last bit of the truth. Mm. I think one thing that's interesting that we both referenced in our pitches, but that isn't mentioned in the blurb, is that additional death, which... This is a bit of a borderline one, spoiler-wise, but I think it's not treated as a big reveal. It's fairly obviously hinted that something else was going on in Q's life, in, in Quincy's life, that Jamal wasn't there for. And that is that his father died. Which, obviously, it isn't referenced in the blurb, in the synopsis for the book. They just talk about the fact that Jamal's parents died and he's been blaming Q for that and that's why they're not talking. But actually, of course, the reason that they're not talking comes down to more than that because as part of Jamal disappearing into his grief and the fact that he, like the blurb says, blames Q for his parents' accident, he wasn't there for his best friend when his parent, when his dad died. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting that the blurb says so much, you know, it goes into quite a lot of detail about the way their relationship is set up but doesn't reference that what seems to be a fairly major fact and it almost i almost wonder if it's partly because obviously the the whole book is written from jamal's point of view it's first person present tense you're right in his head and there is a couple of q chapters isn't there but that's that i think that's just that happens way way towards the end yeah that's just very like for clarity yeah so i wonder if the synopsis is almost also from jamal's point of view like he doesn't really think about the fact that he wasn't there for q I don't know, just a... I don't know. I think I think the way that the author decided to unveil that as, as the reasons to why Q was very upset is, I think, intentional. I think it's meant to... I think, unfortunately, this kind of book is one of those books that you're going to read even if you know everything before you begin it because of the emotionalness and the fact that it's, it's two best friends and it's, it's not really got... It doesn't really tick a lot of the other tropes, if that makes sense. It's, there is romance to it, but it's not a story about that romance. Mm. It's got the family tropes in it, but again, it's not really about the family. It's about made family. So I guess that can be sort of a trope. So it almost seems like they just didn't want to go fully into everything that happens in the book within the synopsis and they just decided to leave this out but then it's also a little bit intentional in the way that it's unveiled because you know something's happened that Jamal was not a part of but it comes out as it's it's almost like it's meant to be a surprise not a good surprise (laughs) 
But like, it's meant to go, hi. And you're, you're meant to be like, oh my God, that's so sad. But at that point, the only other thing that I could think of from the first chapter, from even opening the book, was that someone else must have lost somebody. So it, it, it didn't seem to have much of a point as to why it wasn't mentioned, but it's kind of set up to be something that's meant to shock you. Yeah, I so I kind of didn't interpret it that way. I thought that it was more... I feel like Jamal has like an awareness of it, but because it's not a priority to him, because he is so consumed by his own grief and his own anger, that it doesn't feel relevant to him, and that's why it doesn't come up, because we're seeing the story from his point of view. It's only when it's really... I can't remember how it is that it's made explicit, but there are enough references... You know, Hugh makes comments to the fact of you you weren't there. Yeah, yeah. You just kept getting sicker and you didn't show up. And and it's like, it's, it's not like it's a surprise when it comes up. And it's not, I didn't think it was revealed like a reveal. It was almost like you may not spend a lot of time thinking about certain elements of your life and then it kind of might come up in conversation. That's not a reveal. It's just something that you haven't been talking about. Do you know what, like, that's what it felt like to me. I think it's a soft reveal. I think it is meant yeah. to be a reveal because I think it's meant to humanise Q. Because when you're in yeah, Jamal's sure. head, it's very easy to be very upset with Q. Like, why are you not being there for your friend? Why are you mad at him to this extent? But then, obviously, you know, the situation's happened and that appreciation, not appreciation, that love and being there wasn't reciprocated. Yeah. And I think, I think it's there. And I think the reason it's not mentioned is because it's meant to come as not, I know I said surprise, but it's, I think it's meant to come as like, this is the, this is the only other thing that you had to be I think be it's meant there. to be an OIC moment yeah. rather than an oh my God yeah. moment, isn't yeah. it? It's meant to be like, oh, that makes sense. And I think that's why it's <laughs> held back because I think yeah. it's meant to, but actually I don't think it was needed as either. I think it could have been in the blurb and I don't think it needed to be in it. Oh, I see. Because I yeah. think the author did a really good job of basically showing that Jamal was really lost without mm. us needing to give Q a reason for being mad at him. Sure. Because at, at no point can you keep pushing if somebody just doesn't want you there. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. In terms of the actual reanimation, what did you think of that? Um, I was fine. With it. I, so the book, the, the attempted a scientific basis that you get in the first page or so made me... I didn't love it. Because, like, okay, yeah, energy and matter can't die, but they can be completely and irreversibly changed, which is basically what death is. So, like, what are you want to Like about? toast. Because um, so- I'm, not, I'm not very smart in that kind of thing. <laughs> well, all I kept thinking of was, like, toast. You put the bread yeah. in the toaster, and when it comes out, it's toast. It can never be bread again. Yes. So that, I kind of wondered if I was going to have issues with... The, but it doesn't make any further attempts to explain how reanimation works from a scientific point of view it's all very hush hush i'll tell you what what did come up for me around the the medical stuff so at first i thought that this book was going to be like opposite of always where the weirdness is literally just the framework for the character driven story because obviously in opposite of always there's a there's a time loop situation which goes completely unexplored as like why it's happening it's literally just a way for the story to happen. It's kind of a, a plot device so that the author can tell the story he's interested in telling. I was fine with that. So I thought that was going to be the same case here. And then there was a stronger sense, especially early on, you got some hints that it was all a bit suspicious, that there might be more of a mystery to uncover. And then around the sort of one-fifth mark, I really thought that we were laying the groundwork for more of a mystery to uncover and that that might take up more of a role in the story. And then that didn't really come to much. Now, I am okay with that because I think what the author does beautifully is take a kind of speculative fiction idea and turn that to the purpose of telling a really interesting story about characters and relationships. 
And that was what I came to this book for, and I definitely got that. But I did feel a bit like we were led a little bit down the path of this, like, sort of almost sci-fi horror element in the background of what are these people up to? What's going on? Why did... How are they choosing who they're choosing? Who's funding this? And then, they're, they're, I mean... The questions that were raised do get answered. It's not like that's left unresolved, but it's like it was set up to be a subplot. And then it just turned out to be like, oh no, that's the answer to that. In the background, it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Focus on the story. <laughs> I also found myself slightly disappointed about the reason. Like, not the reason. Like, when you read it, you're like, oh, that makes sense. But also I was like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I guess, well, that answers that thread. And I could just drop that thread. I mean, it wasn't the biggest thread that I was concerned about in the whole story. For me, it wasn't a huge thread, but it can be a huge thread because it actually, without that happening, the whole book wouldn't exist. So I was just a bit like, oh, okay, all right, well, I'll just drop that. But in terms of the reanimation process, I don't know how I felt about it. I obviously, I'm not not saying I'm, I'm not very smart because I am, I'm just not very scientifically smart. Obviously that side of thing went over my head as much as it went over Mrs. B and Jamal's head. Mrs. B being Q's mum. I mean, as much as that was explained to me, that went completely over my head. I'm not even gonna pretend to understand what any of that meant. I just thought, a bit like toast. <laughs> but when I carried on and the whole process, I found myself really coming out of the story because it was really hard to be in Jamal's head, feeling this increasing pain that once again he's lost somebody really close to him. Even if he's mad, he's hmm. he's he's only he's only pushing people away because he's so torn apart by grief and he doesn't know how to put himself back together again. And he carries a lot of blame. And you find that out through the book that his initial "I'm mad at this" isn't actually what he's mad at. He's mad at a much wider picture, like anybody consumed with grief of losing both of their parents. So the situation when they're at this base just pulled me out a little bit and I didn't love it so much because I found myself being told a lot what was going off and I know that that would be the case because unfortunately at that moment in time he's in a world that he doesn't know he's in this building things are happening he's being asked things he's having to sit there and go through his entire life with this person there's no emotional driven stuff about him tackling some of those issues it's just we're told it and we're meant to move on and I just found that that part really did pull me out and I was very excited mm. when that bit was over as quickly as it was. Because I think for even a chapter in the, all of Justin's writing, it just wasn't the strongest bit for me. And then it just really pulled me out of the characters. And I don't know, I'm glad it was only a chapter. So I was just that's why I was just intrigued from your point of view, if anything caught you. Because yeah. I just found myself really disengaged with the process. And obviously I think you're meant to be. But also I'm not going through it. Jamal is. And I'm trying to understand Jamal. Yes. I think the author played quite a bit with slightly more disjointed or distancing prose. So I don't know if you had this experience, but I found the first few chapters quite difficult to follow. And I went back and reread them a couple of times. And, and then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to have faith in the author. I'm just going to keep going because I think I think this is intentional. I think it's meant to be disjointed because Jamal is in a place where he has like pushed everyone away. He's not being honest about how he feels. He's kind of not, he's trying not to face up to stuff that is at the same time having a huge impact on his day-to-day -day life and how he feels in any given moment. And I think that's why those first few chapters felt so difficult to get my head round. But, you know, if, we, if I picked this book up in a shop and I was reading the first couple of chapters, because they're, they're very short chapters, they're like a few couple of pages each, I don't know that I would have kept reading if I was picking it up cold. But because I know the author and I trust the author, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go with it. And it did, it did 
turn out to make sense you kind of fall into the story and i think it's quite a nice way to get you into jamal's head or not nice but effective and i think i think you're right that i i also think that the chapters in the sort of section around the reanimation process it felt a bit like you were being rushed through things and information was being fired at you and simultaneously you weren't really being told much of anything which is i think exactly how jamal feels and so the author's trying to recreate that experience for the reader i i similarly had mixed feelings about it i think it was effective i don't know that it was my favorite bit of the book but i think it helped to bring us into his headspace so i don't know i I don't know where I fall on it in terms of how much that affected the way I felt about the book in general. I don't feel like it ended up having a huge effect on my overall no. feeling, similar to yourself. I just found that it was just something that that caught me because like you were saying about the beginning chapters, I was like, wait, have I missed something? Am I going in reverse? Because <laughs> I think the first chapter's facts, then it's 101, then it's 100. And then I was like, wait, are we going back? But then the story flows in chronological order. And then I'm like, I don't know what is happening anymore, but I also don't think I'm meant to. I tried to not pay too much attention to the chapter numbers and read the story for what it was. And I found myself able to do that easier than me keep reading because I, I like to read what the chapter is if it's got a name or if it's got like a little quote or something I like to read it because obviously it's there for a reason but mm. I just did have to keep that to the side a little bit because I know that Justin is very capable of creating a world that doesn't make a lot of sense but the story within it and the characters within it will carry you all the way through so I knew that I was in safe hands so I just threw my hands up and was like I'm just not going to read the chapter numbers because I think they're adding only to my further confusion because you are literally <laughs> thrown in to the plot like you don't get a nice yeah. but i mean you get the facts chapter which i was like cool this is great <laughs> and then the next chapter he's like in deep mourning and you're like oh <laughs> we're not gonna get the accident are we we're gonna get straight into the depression this is fantastic <laughs> And then, but then obviously it kicks off from there. But it was just an odd place to start for any other author. But for Justin, it's actually a perfect beginning. Mm. But yeah, please tell me what you were thinking about the chapter. Okay, so my issue with the chapter, so it, it seems to be a countdown. I mean, it, it literally counts down from 101 to, does it finish on zero? I actually don't even remember now. I'll check for you, you continue. Oh yeah, it does. Okay. It does. Last, last chapter okay. is zero. So with that said, it's not like the story is told fully in chronological order. Some chapters have gone into the past to clarify things that happened before. And some of them as well have those little uh, scripts from... Yes, their comedy duo, which I did enjoy. Yes. So it's not like it's counting down in terms of time. This, they're not happening. I don't know. It was a, It was a bit weird to me. The, the chapter countdown. I don't mind it. It didn't affect my enjoyment of the book whatsoever. But when we started moving backwards and forwards in time a little bit, I was like, well, then why, why are we counting down as if we're counting down to something when we're not moving chronologically? It also happens in the ch in some chapters as well. Mm. Within the chapter, you then go in the past and come out of it. Yeah. But you know what anybody else, I find this really, really annoying, but I kind of expected to be very confused by something in the book. And I think yeah. this is what I was confused about. And I know I might be giving a pardon to somebody, but because as confusing as it was for me to read it, I don't feel like it took much away from the overall reason as to why I was reading the book, which is, mm. which is mainly why I'm giving the pardon. But 
I did feel at small points, mainly obviously the reanimation bit, I fell off a little bit, like just in terms of the rest of the writing style. But also mm. there's the scene... I don't think I'm going to be able to say it because I can't even say the Latin version, but you know the carpet... Carpet denim. Yeah, carpet denim, that's it. Still to this day, don't understand what that whole... And I know he even makes a joke about it and he goes, oh, I bet you're wondering what this is. And I'm like, yeah, what is it? And I still now don't understand what what it is. Yes, I... I feel like there was something cut out of it that made it make sense. Mm. And together they thought, yeah, this could pass. And I mean, I'm not going to linger on it because I don't think you're meant to. I think you're meant to focus on the thing that happens because of it. But also because for me, I'm like, excuse me, I know why you're calling it this because he couldn't say Carpe Diem. Carpe Diem, yeah. I said it. Yay. Screw you, Jamal. I can say it. But I don't understand. Is it a game? I think it's like a family tradition thing. I think, and I don't think we're meant to necessarily get more of an insight into it than that. I think it's just a thing that they did as a family where they would take turns to be in charge of who was seizing the day or carpeting the denim and and they would have to choose what they all did right okay that's that's what i took from yeah it. i just think there's small parts and there's another part and i don't want to talk about it because it's right near the end where things just don't seem as tight as the rest of it uh-huh. i feel like this book tried to achieve a lot and it was finished mm. and then it was like actually i don't think people are going to read this book because this book is huge so then someone's gonna <laughs> cut it which we have to do as writers that you either get a writer who overwrites or a a writer who underwrites and i'm the underwriter so i don't know that pain but i know people who've had to cut their books down oh i'm I'm an overwriter (laughs) i want to follow every flipping spit and cough of my characters and then i later come back and i'm like maybe we don't need to see her washing her hair every morning
yes. Adam long ass gone. So, so round of applause. Graciousness award for Autumn, Jamal's girlfriend, for sticking it for sure. around. When she like was ringing him out about it. I was like, fair dues. You know, you have, you've been putting up with a lot. And then we find mm. out how they met. I'm even more like, well, it's not like you were dating much before the accident happened. So you've really been putting up with some stuff. Yeah. And you haven't even got a little I love you as your gift from it. Yeah, I get the sense that Jamal is maybe uh, a compartmentalizer to a degree. So I think in some ways it would have been really interesting to go back and see more about how his relationship with Autumn played out. Because you're exactly right. They meet right in the thick of his grief. And obviously I'm not. we're not going to give away the exact circumstances but they're interesting and he has kind of written Q out of his story at this point despite Q at that stage still wanting to be his friend because Q hasn't been let down in return by Jamal yet so he's I, I almost feel like he has this kind of constructed self that he entered into the relationship as and then it's sort of throughout the course of this story you're right it's not a romance I think it's I think the author played it really interestingly in terms of you know there is a romantic subplot in that he's figuring stuff out in his relationship with Autumn alongside the rest of the story but the story is predominantly about Jamal and Q but also there is an extent to which Jamal is kind of like figuring himself out and learning how to accept his feelings and function in spite of them rather than just kind of being in denial about stuff and the way that that kind of played out in his relationship with autumn i thought really complemented the main story nicely yeah and yeah i mean just massive kudos to her for the way that she had empathy for what he was going through put up with the fact that like you said it's been two years and he refuses to say that he loves her i should add that he she does make the comment that while she, he hasn't said the words he has showed his appreciation. Yeah. I'm not like digging Jamal out. I was just like, those two no. words mean a lot. It doesn't matter, you know, he could show it in every single way possible, but sometimes we still need those three words, don't we? At a point, you just want to hear yeah. it. Yeah, you just want to know that that is definitely the expression he is trying to show <laughs> in all of the actions. While we're just talking about Autumn being great, there were a couple of moments that I really enjoyed where Jamal made a little comment that illustrated, shall we say, a slightly old-fashioned point of view uh like he makes some comment to his sister because his sister's pregnant he makes some comment about wanting to know what gender the baby's gonna be so that he can paint the nursery and she's like what does that have to do with anything yeah and he was like fair and he also has some comment that he makes to his girlfriend about leagues and people being in different leagues and she's like that's not a thing and he's like fair yeah but i really enjoyed the way that he kind of he obviously has these thoughts which i mean so many of us have these thoughts yeah. i'm not trying to say that that he's some like backwards dinosaur but i really enjoyed the way that these women in his life were kind of like mm, maybe don't with that and that he kind of just accepted it and you get the sense that he's willing to learn and i think that says a lot about why autumn has stuck around with him for so long because a guy who can be called on a comment and not react with like oh you know i didn't mean it like that but who instead is like yeah okay fair point that that's good that's a good guy right there yeah i also really liked that the book did try to tackle these sort of th thought processes like the ones you've just mentioned and also had him go yeah you're right actually 
Like, even if it is something that we all... Like, I admit, I still think about it. Like, I think about the day that, you know, we have a little little baby in our podcast <laughs> from the moon side, the little moon baby. <laughs> and I just think about, oh my God, what would I paint the, the nursery? And I'm like, why would that matter? I can just paint it whatever colour I wanted. And still I have yeah. to remind myself that, that that conditioning that I went through, obviously younger and these thought processes were built on, that isn't so much the truth now. So I liked that the book tackled it, but it didn't make it these huge themes that it was going to break down all these old yeah and i just thought that they were just li- literally like played off and they were just these little cheap Tiny little moments yeah i also really like jamal's playfulness with autumn that he, he could actually be his former self with her even when mm-hmm. everything else was crushing him there's a stage that he meets autumn's grandma i won't reveal too much about it because it is quite later on in the book but it, it just it made me smile so much when he meets her and she's like you don't think you're coming in this house without saying hello to me so he has to go in and, <laughs> and she's like the only thing open at this time are hospitals and legs and neither of you two should be at any of them and I was like that is hilarious so when Autumn and Gibraltar go upstairs and she's like well maybe you should kiss me and he's like well you know we shouldn't be at hospitals and legs shouldn't be open and you can just tell that he's a really playful and bright person to be around which is why Q obviously really gravitated towards him when they were initially friends and why Autumn has stuck around so there's a lot of really redeeming factors about Jamal and I think the way that they're played out the way that they're introduced to us as the reader is really cleverly done and at no point even though you know that really these are just two teenage boys that have just gotten a little bit lost and got a little bit you know they've they've had a really bad hand given to them Mm. that at the end of the day they're not going to process things in the most rational and adult-like way because they are still teenage boys and at no point do you think any of them are in the wrong you just think oh my god just talk to one another and I feel like autumn Uh is that sound of reason she's the reader in all of us and she's just like talk to one another but I did really like that dynamic because like you already brilliantly said all the characters are really unique and they all do bounce off one another but let's just talk about I'm not going to say his full name I'm just going to call him Mr O because I feel like that should have been his name anyway Mm. what is this man's deal he is just yes this goes back to so he's the one that greets poor Q's mom and is basically like oh I can reanimate your son and she's like you best not be touching my son and then he's like no we've got this great opportunity and stuff and he just shows up and he knows like he's a bit like an fbi agent he kept throwing me for i was just literally like wait are you in their house are you bugging them the thing some of the things that he knows do seem a bit odd and that doesn't really go fully explained he was a really odd character but brilliant in his oddness yes i feel like you're meant to be really like you know that meme that kept going around like the fbi is watching you it was like a meme ages ago where if you like you text your ex-girlfriend or something and the fbi would send a text they'd be like i'm watching you and you're like oh no i shouldn't text my ex-girlfriend but that's what he reminded me of i think he even makes a notice of of them doing something in jamal's house and he's like oh yeah we're already on our way we already know you've been doing this this and this and i'm just like wait a bloody minute (laughs) i absolutely loved the description when he was introduced which i'm just going to share a part of it so jamal says my next thought everything about him feels designed staged like a house you were trying to sell his smile his perfectly square silver frame glasses matching his gray eyes this kind of guy anything he offers you read the fine print twice yeah and all the <laughs> way through i love as a description that description stays more relevant the entire 
way through because at no point do you feel like you can put your guard down with this man and he's also everywhere and anywhere he's just there when you don't really want him to be he's almost like the you know when you're got a substitute teacher at school and (laughs) you're in class and you shouldn't be doing something but it's like well that teacher doesn't particularly know that that's what we do or don't do so then he's like that and then suddenly he's actually onto them and he's like actually you know you shouldn't be doing that and he's like the voice of reason when there doesn't really need to be a voice of reason he's like i don't i don't think that's wise and they're all like we know q we know what's best for q and it it sort of plays off a bit like a substitute teacher like it's not actually got enough power to tell you not to do something yeah i think he he had a slightly odd role in the story and obviously some of his reasons for being involved in the story at all come to light a bit later on, as do some of the opportunities for him to demonstrate some some complexity of character. So I, it's tough to kind of go too much into it, but I kind of feel like he was a bit of a catch-all. Yeah. He was there to fill a number of small roles in, in one person, and I'm not sure it worked all that well for me. I thought he was quite interesting. I liked that we got some sense of who he was but not too much i liked that he remained a bit mysterious but i don't know that he was i mean he was far from the most effective character and ultimately his purpose within the story felt a bit vague and i think that was partly because he had a lot of different little jobs to do as as a character yeah yeah for sure he's definitely somebody that you could fill with somebody else and you probably wouldn't notice and i think that's meant to be the purpose and i just think i don't know i kind of liked him but i think i kind of liked him because i didn't expect too much from him so he didn't really disappoint me because i just think he's just Mm -hmm. gonna be there when bad things happen but i just i just wanted to shout him out because he was a bit fbi-ish i'm gonna keep sticking (laughs) with he's an fbi substitute teacher and he's not really fbi he's got the badge but he doesn't really know how to use it (laughs) (laughs) did you have a justice award um not as such i did well did you before i go on to talk about something different no (laughs) i actually found that a lot of the threads did tie up yeah in a a satisfying way Hmm. i think yeah the author was definitely good at wrapping up anything that was brought into the story i think sometimes it felt like those might have been more than they were going to be so perhaps justice for the reason q was in the water in the first place yeah yeah i agree with that. which was completely tied off but it felt like it was going to be part of a much bigger deal i didn't fully love the pacing of jamal and q's reconciliation after q was reanimated i thought it was a bit quick Mm. there was sort of a couple of attempts by jamal to apologize slash talk to q which got rebuffed pretty firmly and i mean i wouldn't say that jamal was making perfect attempts in both of those cases anyway i mean he shouts at him for a window i'm not i'm not entirely convinced that he was he was really going no it was not shall we say his best work from an apologizing point of view so i get that we needed them to to be friends again so that the rest of the story could play out in the way that it did and so we could explore their friendship from the inside rather than it being something that was broken and we were exploring the pieces of it but i would have liked it to be more of a journey for them back to being close yeah i feel like they had one really big post reanimation conversation and everything seemed to have healed and i don't necessarily feel like that much damage can actually 
really be rectified. Also, I think this probably goes back to when I was talking about the book being much larger than it was and being edited down. I think there probably were Mm. more opportunities where Jamal was cracking through Q's exterior but they were cut out before his reanimation because they must have had to have been. Oh, maybe. It must have had to have been because it just seemed a bit, oh, I'm going to try. And then... I don't know because you see them at the party and the... Sorry, post, not pre. Post. Oh, okay. Okay, Sorry, got my pre and my post mixed up. Yeah, so post-animation, reanimation, I feel like there were more little bits that he must have been trying to do because I feel like the author was going for the grand gesture being the window situation and obviously that didn't play out Mm. and I just think when the grand gesture normally falls and you normally have your big this is me in the rain I'm doing Uh all I can why won't you meet me halfway moment and it was there must I don't know there must have been more of a build-up to it because it just felt a little bit off I mean if I was cute and I woke up and okay I'm me I've been reanimated. Me and you have had a massive falling out, which will never happen, touching wood. But of course, you don't know that you're dead. Yeah, I don't know that I've been reanimated. I'm waking up and I'm finding you staring at me in my bedroom. I'd be like, bitch, what are you doing? (laughs) And he does sort of go, why are you here? But I also don't feel like he initially acted how he was meant to act in that situation. Obviously, we know he's been reanimated, but really you shouldn't notice any of those little creases and those little knots. And I would literally be like, get out! (laughs) And at no point, it's Jamal who flees. It's not Q who drives him away. Jamal flees. That can't even be really counted as a moment because he doesn't try. He's just stood there. And I just feel like, was there meant to be more of a conversation there? And then he bottles it and then he runs. What? I don't get it. And I also don't get why Q's just stood there going, why are you here? And he's dead casual about it. Yeah. Okay, so I can see being, especially if this is a person who you are kind of intimately familiar with, who's been like family to you in the past. I can see that when you're first waking up, your initial response might be confusion more than anger or... Because if this is a person who you're used to potentially sleeping over at each other's places, in that half-awake state, it might be a, I didn't think you were here more than what are you doing in my room? With that said, you kind of have to wonder why that wasn't brought up again later. Yeah. At no point was Q like, hey, we haven't been speaking in forever. What were you doing in my bedroom exactly? I think there's a sentence where it gets covered and it's in the in the makeup and he's like, right. oh yeah, my mum said, because he knows that he was where he was when the situation happened. He just yeah. doesn't know the after effects of what happened. And he he's like, oh yeah, my mum told me that you were, the, you were, is that why you were in the room? And I think he just nods. Right. And I think that's it. I think you're meant to get over it. But actually, really, that was such an important part that that's why I just find the two bits don't connect very well because yes I get it that could have been the first attempt the kind of I thought we might be about to lose you I want to make up for everything Q properly wakes up is like get the f out of my room we're not speaking yeah I don't know I feel like there could have been more done with that and then even then I think I'm trying not to I don't want to reveal too much but I think I think the thing that annoys me the most about that pathway of getting from enemies to friends again is the fact that it isn't initially Jamal doing it that gets it where it is and I feel like that Uh cheapened it a little bit I wanted the grand gesture to be from him and yes, yes, while he is handed the gesture and he then does run with it and fixes it, it's not him. And I, I wish there'd been another moment after that where they actually really sat together and they really was like hashing things out like they should have been able to do. 
yeah so that, that's just my little but there again they're just little nitpicky things because yeah i also think it's a really hard story to try and sure. to try and wrap up without going into too many spoilers just because of the nature of justin's writing i mean when i break it down did i love the story yes did i read it all in one sitting yes did i love the characters yes did i find that it was developed nicely yes am i just nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking because i wish that i would have probably done things differently yes but then also i'm not the one writing this book and i also don't think i would have handled the complexities of this book as well as justin did mm. it's just that i can only talk I about think the it's important to know things. that <laughs> most of the stuff that we've talked about is really minor in the grand scheme of things the book i think worked phenomenally well as an exploration of friendship and grief and it dealt with some massive stuff like you just said i mean the way that the book handled sort of his i guess it's ptsd essentially from his parents accident i thought that was brilliantly done and again kind of being in his head in that first person perspective you really get a sense of what what he's living with as a result of what happened and you know there was some some beautiful moments between him and Q and I love the way that Justin Reynolds writes friendship yeah wholeheartedly he writes it absolutely. so chef's kiss <laughs> the relationship between Jamal and Hugh yeah okay I, I feel like they became back to being friends quicker than I'd have liked in an ideal world but I was also just delighted to read about their friendship yeah. and the bond between them and I think the way that the book handled the idea of so obviously uh, it's referenced in the blurb that Q's mom doesn't want anybody to tell Q that he's been reanimated they don't she doesn't want him to know that he's going to die in another however many days and Jamal really struggles with that and and he has to grapple with the idea of do I want to tell him because I want to prove what a good friend I am by telling him the truth or do I want to tell him because I would want to know or do I want to tell him because I think he would want to know? Yeah, and I think he goes on a journey with that. I think initially he wants to make it up to him by being a good friend and telling him for a selfish reason. And I think he goes on a whole journey of working through his his actual problems with his friendship through that one question. Yeah. And I don't feel like a lot of people can achieve that. And there are some, some phenomenally emotional moments. Like when Q's mum finds out that Q is dead and the the doctor who comes in to deliver the news she's basically like no no go don't tell me no I know I know what you're gonna say I don't want you, I don't want to hear it basically she's like go away with that news and come back when you've got something that I actually want to hear yeah. and that absolutely broke my heart I thought that was so well written and obviously Jamal we're seeing it through Jamal's eyes and he has no idea how to handle himself in that situation you can tell it's one of those you know the moments where your throat closes and you get that weird yeah. moment the, the one for me that really stands out is when Jamal goes home and he watches the video the video mm -hmm. from the crash because I don't think we've really covered it but him and his sister are both in the same car when it happens yeah and he was recording that morning and he has this thing and he can replay it and it doesn't you know how over time grief and time and pain can shift a memory and you can mold yeah. it into something he's never been allowed to do that he knows the facts of that morning and he knows every little thing because he has evidence of it and i think they make sure. me mention that the therapist says that he needs to be less obsessed with this video that he has but when i was reading that i was like oh my god that is the most heartbreaking thing ever to have in your hands what happened. Yeah. Because in those sort of situations with car accidents happen so quickly most people don't you don't get your head around what happened one minute everything was fine the next minute 
it's not. Yeah. Whereas he has the missing pieces. He could really... And you can... And, and he, he can, can just put himself back in that moment. Yeah, and you can tell, even without the author having to say anything, you know Jamal as a character will have gone through that video second by second by second and played out exactly what was happening. And mm. I thought that was absolutely heartbreaking. Just as much as the moment you were just saying. Because yeah. that did get me in the throats then. But I feel like we could really go down the whole route of all the really beautifully emotional moments in this book. And obviously we'll then get into... into to naughty waters so we need to to get out of them on the island so if you're happy i might ask you start asking you the all important questions yeah, go for it yeah because it was my week i feel like i can ask you first <laughs> okay so what is your seashell rating i am going to give early departures four and a half shells Ooh. how about you i'm giving it four Oh. I yeah, I've given it four. Don't get me wrong, absolutely beautiful book. Absolutely loved it. Really enjoyed it. I just think I'm probably holding it to a little bit of a higher standard because of uh-huh. how much I loved Opposite of Always. That makes sense. And because it, that book's still so very fresh in my mind, don't get me wrong, I'm still going to be really excited to, to read this book all over again. But I just, mm. I just, there was just a little bit more that I had issue with. Not big issues, little yeah. nitpicky things. Sure. But yeah, oh, I, I, I kind of expected us to be, I mean, I know it's 0.5 of a seashell, but still, like, <laughs> I don't think I've really rated beneath you on the same book yet. No, I'm normally harsher. Yeah. Oh, what a surprise then. So, huh. Laura, would you take early departures to your island library? I would. <gasps> Yay! Would you? about this for a little while and I did really really like it and I would like to read it again but I'm not I would rather read opposite of always sure. but I'm still an absolute huge fan of, of Justin Reynolds's work and I think he did a phenomenal oh, job and I can't wait to read his next book and I hope that we can cover it on the podcast again I hope we can just become like a shrine to Justin A. Reynolds <laughs> Justin if you ever hear about this please come and talk to us if you would like to be on our podcast I mean it's quite small oh but, my god that would be amazing but we are like the biggest fans can you imagine yeah I would literally I wonder if he'll reply to me on twitter again or not twitter on um, instagram hopefully again. i mean we can all cross our fingers but when i thought about it and i was just literally like i think the other thing is i've only got one space left <laughs> yes i love how though between the two of us now we do have both of his books on there because you took opposite of always yeah. didn't you yeah <laughs> so yeah but when i was reading it i was just like i love this but i don't love it as much and then because of that i was like Ew. i don't know it might be one that i get to re- reanimate later on and add to the island but for now i'm gonna say say a no because i've only got one space and you know i've I've got to start thinking sensibly i've got to that's fair so let's get into joe's random question of the week now i had so much fun last week so it is a bit of a this or that so here we go okay now it's time for joe's random question of the week featuring cheddar's paws cheddar's on percussion for joe's random question of the week yeah he's literally running up and down so Quick fire, this or that. All this right. template is also by Holly Wang for Kiekulin, which is similar to last week. So here we go. Mm-hmm. Day or night? Day. I'm night. I'm going to try and say mine after, so we don't have to go back. Okay. Comedy or drama? Drama. Drama. Cool. Sparkling or still? Uh, mm, still. Still. Like, oh. I love Pepsi bubbles, but I don't like water bubbles. Yeah, like... I, I quite like fizzy drink, but when it comes to water, still. Yeah. Book or e-reader? Book. Book. 
but I do love my yeah, e-reader. I, do, I love it. It's books. so convenient, but there's nothing like physically reading a book. There's also nothing quite like a hardback book either. And I'm shouting out my mm. love to paperbacks, but I love taking the cover off and finding what's underneath. And this has mm. got like such a beautiful, that early departure. I'm just showing. Yeah, it's got a really interesting kind of like, it's like a mustard, um, like a mustard mm. yellow. Look at that, both going for the white mustard. I mean, clearly that's what colour it is. Yeah. What, what else What else have we got? It was supposed to be quick fire, sorry, so I derailed us. Hotel or Airbnb? Hotel. So yeah, same. I don't think I've stayed in Airbnb. Plane or road trip? Road trip. Plane. Marginally. Plane. I, oh, I... <laughs> I am not about being in a cramped car. Plane is quicker, plane is more convenient. I get the aesthetic but... of a road trip, I do, but there is like... Oh no, for me it's for me it's not because I like road trips particularly, although I have had some some fun long drives in my time. But it's just I always feel like I'm gonna die on a plane. Oh mate. Okay, we'll move on from that one. Are you ready? <laughs> Actually I'm gonna leave this one to the end because I feel like it's gonna be controversial. Okay. <laughs> veggies or fruit? Uh veggies. Fruit. Ice cream or frozen yogurt? Ice cream. Ice cream. Sushi or tacos? Sushi. Tacos. And then the last one. Okay. Harry Potter. Or Lord of the Rings? Oh, oh man. Lord of the Rings for me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> if I take out the author, I would say Harry Potter. But sure. with the author and my current feelings and then my childhood memories of Harry Potter. But I did have childhood memories of Lord of the Rings. And also I had the hugest crush on Legolas. Literally was going to go find oh, him. I was more of an Aragorn girl myself. Yeah, my, my, um, one of my friends is as well. And I was literally like, no, elf till I die. <laughs> I, had, I thought I had a massive crush on Viggo Mortensen, but then having seen him other things, I was like, no, it was just Aaron. Yeah. It's the I, long I, I like hair. him to look at, he's fine, hair. but mm, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so Lord of the Rings. So that, that wraps up this or that. Mm. That wraps up the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this with me again. And, and uh, thank all you. hail Justin. Yes. Thank you, Justin Reynolds. <laughs> please keep writing. For writing please book. write yeah, something please. else for us soon. Yeah, I'm like literally so desperate. So if you need beta readers, <laughs> you know where your girls are. Yeah, your <laughs> little fan club is, is, is over on the island. I mean, we're not that far from where you are. The island is wherever it needs to be. We can accept advanced readers' copies on the island. Yeah, yeah we are allowed that. It doesn't go on our show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much, lovely listeners. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. wait for that quote to come back at me when Laura edits this (laughs) (laughs) that might be my that might be my outtake well, we hope you enjoyed that special episode from the Island Library podcast all about Justin A. Reynolds's early departures. If you liked what you heard, head over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe, like, rate, and review the Island Library podcast. Show them some love. We really enjoy partnering with other members of our bookish community. So this was a great chance for us to showcase a podcast that we really love. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Underbridge Pod or on the web at underbridgepod.com for a list of ways to support us. 
We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. 